0: And a warm welcome to Building the Future, the series from RICS Modus that brings you insight and opinion on the built environment from around the world. I'm Kate Taylor, and I live and breathe RICS in every capacity, but particularly as the author of APC Revision Guides for Real Estate and as a training consultant in the UK. Now, I'll be honest with you, I've been a finalist twice for Young Surveyor of the Year Awards, Mentor of the Year category, but never won. This means I am impressed and somewhat starstruck by our guests. They are all winners. In this episode, we have brought together these winners of RICS, Young Surveyor of the Year Awards, and other awards from the UK, Hong Kong, Singapore and Australia. I will be chatting with them to find out their take on the surveying profession in the hope it will inspire you. Let's meet our global surveying talent. First, we will go to Hong Kong to meet Michelle Liu. Michelle joined the industry in 2012, She's been involved in a lot of significant projects, including power substations and the Ziku Centre in West Kowloon Cultural District. She's breaking barriers. Michelle was promoted to be a first female project manager within her company. Michelle won the RICS Young Achiever of the Year 2021 Hong Kong. Now let's travel to Singapore to meet our next guest, Daryl Ho. Daryl works as an account manager analyst with GLL where he supports the leadership team on strategic initiatives across people, process and technology. Darrell's work has brought him the recognition of the RICS Young Achiever of the Year 2021 SEA and also the Young FM Leader Award by the International Facilities Management Association Singapore chapter, a multiple award winner. Moving on to Australia and Eliza Owen. Eliza is the Head of Research for Australia at Core Logic. She has a wealth of experience in an increasingly important sector in property data analysis and reporting. Eliza worked as an economist at Residex, a research analyst at Domain Group, and previously as the commercial real estate and construction analyst at CoreLogic. That's a lot of analysis. Eliza won the RICS Young Achiever of the Year 2021 Australia. And finally, but by no means least, I am delighted to introduce Javad Khalil. Javad is a 28-year-old quantity surveying professional, founder and managing director of Consult North. This is an RICS-accredited construction consultancy delivering services like project and cost management. Javad won RICS Young Surveyor of the Year 2021 Quantity Surveying and Construction category and Insider Property Awards 2021 Emerging Property Person of the Year, another multiple award winner. You can see why I'm impressed. Welcome, everyone. Can you all just shout, hello?
1: Hello. Hi, Hi, everyone.
0: Now, let's start at the beginning of their journey. The first question I want to ask is, what attracted you to the profession? Now, I'm going to come to you one at a time, and I'll start with you, Michelle, in Hong Kong.
2: All right. I guess back in secondary school, I was already uh, interested in arts and architecture. And uh, actually, I was very fond of the uh, cliché image of an architect doing paper models or sketching on scratch papers. And I thought um, a building was constructed just from that easily. So definitely at the time, I knew not much about what an architect does, not to even mention engineering in uh, different disciplines or surveying in different profession means. Uh, Not until in university when I was studying building engineering, I uh, started to know more about them. And I also changed from those fantasy to uh, really understand what and how different professions or stakeholders contribute to the uh, construction industry. And I start to appreciate the importance of construction bringing to our society positively as well. For instance, if we are doing civil works, uh, we do bridges and uh, tunnels, if we do uh, building works, They there are like residential, hospital, and different kinds of functional buildings, which basically uh, shape the city or the hometown that, are, that you're living in. But uh, what attracts me most is when you have found the meaning in your work. For instance, uh, in 2020, during the first wave of uh, COVID outbreak in Hong Kong, Uh, I was assigned to be taken in charge of the construction of uh, temporary quarantine facilities in an extreme short period of time, Uh, that was only two to three months' time, where we are constructing a village in a suburb area by modular construction method and providing over a thousand numbers of instance uh, accommodation for the close contact patients with um, confirmed COVID case in order to control the spread of uh, the disease. So all in all, I think um, that's what uh, attracts me. It was challenging, but uh, it
0: was uh, also meaningful and missionary. The meaning, I absolutely love that. That's fantastic. I'm still searching for meaning. Huh, okay. Daryl, what <laughs> Darryl, what about you? What attracted you to the profession?
1: I think it's pretty similar, and I'm, I'm really resonate with, with what you say to having, finding a meaning. But I think for me, it all started off on start with being curious about the built environment i thought it was pretty interesting as you know the built environment literally uh, provides us a setting uh, for our everyday lives to live work and play so when i had to select a course of study for university project and facility management was naturally my first choice then and you know five years passed and likewise i became more knowledgeable with the built environment but more importantly i think i've gain a better understanding of the sheer amount of effort that, you know, really goes behind the scene across these many various disciplines to really make things work for us. And for the normal people, we don't really realize that until we really get into it. And so this kind of spurred me on to actually pursue the career in this built environment. As I too wanted to play a part in making sure the places that we live in are, you know, comfortable, safe, productive and definitely also sustainable. So, so I guess, you know, this kind of gives me meaning to a profession that, that I think adds value not only to, to myself and also to the people and the places around me.
0: Daryl, I can hear the passion for it in your voice and I suspect that's a common theme. What about you, Eliza? What attracted you to the profession?
3: So, my work involves really telling the story of what's happening in the Australian housing market using um, tools in economics. Um, And of course, I have access to amazing analytics and, and metadata at CoreLogic. And I think it's that intersection of economics and housing being really fascinating because not everyone knows about economics, but everyone has some relation to housing. It's like what Daryl was saying about our relationship to the built environment, whether you have it, you need access to it, or you're building your wealth through it, um, it's really worthwhile understanding the impact of, of different economic forces. And I think in the past two years, we've had this horrible experiment of, for example, what happens when we're confined to our homes. Um, So it was really interesting understanding social consumption, what industries would be affected most by the pandemic, uh, and, say, mapping that to geographic areas that had a high proportion of hospitality and arts workers or people in healthcare and social work, for example, to understand how these different dwelling markets would be impacted by the composition of their labour force and, and other aspects of the population so I think, you know, what Michelle was saying about finding a almost kind of a fulfilment from stepping up to one of the greatest challenges of our generation and finding a way to um, face up to that in, in our work and deliver benefits and, and clarity um, through our work in that as well. As a real estate
0: professional myself and with some experience in housing, I, that really resonates with me that, you know, the importance of the mapping and the analysis. So I'm delighted to hear that you're making a real difference um, in that sector. So finally, Javad, what attracted you to the profession?
4: Uh, what attracted me to the profession? I think it's a it's a, a combination of a number of different reasons from what's already been stated by the team there. And it probably started as early as just being in the car with your parents, driving to whether that be your grandparents' house or somewhere else. And on the way, you see a building that's in the pr- the process of being built and you see the cranes in the sky and it would be every time you make that journey seeing the progress of that build and I mean, for me building dens has always been a hobby and for, for anyone that's not from the north of England, building a den is just going into some sort of green space and using the materials that you've got available whether that be twigs and old bed sheets and cardboard lying about um, and, and making some sort of safe haven for yourself in the middle of nowhere has always been some brought me some sort of satisfaction. Um, and not to mention I've always loved progress, whether that be in my personal life or my professional life. Construction always drew me in because it's one of the few industries that you get to see progress represented in a physical form on a daily basis. And now working in the construction industry, it's being able to see that journey from right at the beginning when it's just a vision in your client's head um, through to design, planning, seeing some physical progress on site during construction. And then most importantly, it's how a building is utilized by its tenants or its end user at the end. That brings me a, a great deal of satisfaction. Um, so for me, in, in a nutshell, the attraction is the journey or um, progress paired with assisting clients and making them dream, their dreams a reality. And then being able to step back at the end and say, I was a part of that along with some very other capable professionals.
0: You've just reminded me (laughs) about building dens, which I did quite a lot of in Jesmond Dean when I was a girl um, from your part of the world. So what you've all got in common, which is a really fantastic thread going through all of that, is that you all are making a difference in your relevant sectors. And you you can see that. You can see the big picture. And I think that's really amazing. So I'm just going to ask you, Michelle, what difference do you think you're making most? Well, wow, that's a difficult question the difference i
2: i guess it would be as a female practitioners and a relatively younger generation in the industry myself i try to bring up the importance and the status of women in construction and also secondly the voice and aspiration of younger generation into our industry especially um, in asian or in chinese culture where we are still sort of a little bit stereotyped as male-dominant world uh, in in this construction industry. So I think I'm striving to do something, going for gender equality in our
0: industry. That is music to my ears, and you are certainly doing that. You are breaking those barriers. Daryl, what about you? What's the main difference you think you're making?
1: For myself, I think... The the key thing that I'm trying to achieve in recent times is really, you know, to make life easier for for people that are actually delivering this work. Because I I, I think that we are doing a very good job in, you know, showcasing the value that we bring to our clients and stuff. But more often than not, the focus is not really within internally as organizations. How how are we equipping people with the right skill sets, providing them with the right tools to really move forward with all these wonderful things that we are bringing to the industry. So one, one key thing that I really wanted to do was really to make this experience and this process easier for our internal staff or other professions to actually embrace uh, these new ways of working and really help them unlock their potential so that we can collectively you know, drive more value to our clients in, in this space itself.
0: Yeah, and I think sort of that process focus that you've got uh, will make a difference to other surveyors as well as the wider profession. Thank you for that. Eliza, what about you? What difference do you think you make most?
3: I think a lot of the past couple of years for me in my role has been about bringing clarity in a period of uncertainty. I want to democratize information about residential markets by, you know, trying to communicate and and do the best data analysis that I can to help people understand how the property market works. As I say, for the past two years, that's been housing and the pandemic, but it could be um, housing and climate change, uh, housing affordability Um, and I love that I get to come to work and do that every day. (laughs) And it's so exciting, isn't it? Because
0: housing is fundamental to everything. It's a key physical Mm. and physiological need. Javad then, so what difference are you making?
4: I think the last couple of years I've seen me become a fairly new business owner, so it's just making sure that... Um, I don't have the stereotypical sort of views that Michelle mentioned earlier. Um, it's just making sure that everyone gets a chance no matter what their age is, what their colour is, what their gender is, um, and making sure that's uh, a value that I instil in other employees and the other management professionals. Um, and the, I guess the other thing is the the consultant service uh, has generally got the potential to be quite monotonous for clients, um, and it's just making sure that we bring a fresh breath of air to the project, get really involved, get really personal and deliver a really, really good service in a personable manner.
0: Yeah, and I think that really is going to make a difference for everyone. I'm going to move on now and I want to know what frustrates you about the profession. And with this question, you know, we want to know what you really think, your real insights, so be frank and share what you really think with everyone. So once again, Michelle, I'm going to come to you first. What frustrates you about the profession? I'll say my
2: frustration, not exactly on the uh, professions, but uh, in work, is actually quite general and universal. And I believe it doesn't just happen in the uh, construction industry, but uh, in all trades as well. That is uh, when, in times, we put too much focuses on the uh, negative sides in workplace. While in construction-wise, it will be like uh, project delays, over budget. Uh, reasons of variations, which all turn to blame and claims and contractual means. And uh, undoubtedly, I understand that we are all bound by contracts with a specific uh, given period of time and cause in order to complete a project, no matter you are playing a role of client, consultants or like me, a contractor. Yet, uh, if we are too narrow-minded during the administration of work, that will definitely bring negative workplace culture to everyone in the team and exaggerate to like counting days or even counting hours of delays, and eventually that's not going to work. So instead, I believe in uh, firing up uh, a one-team approach instead of uh, fragmentation. And uh, we emphasize a lot on trust, uh, understanding and partnering with clients, consultants and uh, us, the contractors, since early stage. So uh, take InnoCell, that project that I've completed, which is a modular building, a pilot project uh, in Hong Kong, being the first high-rise modular building completed. Actually, any workable and cost engineering solution uh, can be open-mindedly discussed from the factory side and brought upstream to the client's eye, uh, fire us, the main contractor. Sophisticated construction detail can be simplified for easier manufacturing uh, back in factory. And the return will be time and cost saving, uh, both promising and also win-win to all. So all in all, I'll say, um, instead of drilling into negativity, why don't we all just embrace and encourage positivity in workplace? That's my frustration and solution.
0: It really is, isn't it? I mean, you can't be a bit of positivity and I love your attitude. I think that's absolutely fabulous. OK, so let's move on and ask Daryl the same question.
1: Right. What really frustrates me, I think, is how underrated and misunderstood the industry is. I've actually, many peers have left the industry because they, they kind of felt that the industry is backwards and slow to make changes. And these are like people with actual background in the built environment, but many of them actually went on to actually pick up new skills to, you know, join the finance or tech sector. And I won't deny that, you know, these sectors are really at the forefront, but the built environment too is embracing a lot of these technologies and innovation. And we have changed plenty in, in the recent years. And especially right now, we are seeing a lot more digitalization, smart technologies, and you know, automations coming up as this pandemic has really accelerated this adoption. So, so I guess that's one good thing that come out of it for the pandemic. But overall, in order for us to really utilize these technologies, you know, and to and embrace the new ways of working. We need this workforce with the corresponding skill sets. But many of these talented people that I know and we are in need of are not actually attracted or inclined to stay in this industry. So I felt that, you know, there's so much more that we could do and we definitely need more talented people to join this industry to, to actually shape this future together, right? Yeah, you
0: are definitely speaking my language there, Daryl. That's, that's my raison d'etre. And I agree with you, Um, we are very much undervalued. But what you're doing right now is you're helping to solve that problem by um, being a role model and promoting what you do. So that's really interesting too. So let's go to Australia. Eliza, what frustrates you about the profession?
3: Yeah, so I guess I sit more on the data side of things, obviously. And I think there's a lot of black boxes that that may be more localised to Australia, but just in terms of understanding some of the drivers of housing demand, for example, knowing what kind of buyer is looking for what kind of property. And of course, one of the big challenges that have faced in Australia, but now in many parts of the world amid the low interest rate environment, is this um, running away of of, um, entry to, to housing, housing affordability. In Australia, the amount of time it takes to save the typical deposit in Australia has gone from 5.8 years back in 2001 to now over 10 years in 2021. So I think there's a lot of inertia around the housing affordability issue in general, but some of the black boxes around data uh, have made that a really difficult question to tackle as well. And in some instances has led to scapegoating, I would say, of you know foreign investors and um uh, young people not spending and saving wisely so i think there's a lot to be done in that space and i'm proud to be a part of of the solution in that sense and producing timely housing affordability metrics
0: so it's interesting to hear actually from my point of view that you seem to have mirrored quite a few of the housing issues that we have here in the uk which is uh, you know around affordability um and supply Javad, Do you have any frustrations?
4: Yeah, I mean, the guys raised some really relevant points and um, there's quite a few of them that resonate with myself. So I'm just going to sort of recap on on what those are. I think the first one comes down to um, our inability to embrace change in a timely manner and also new technologies. I think it's taken an awful long time to get to where we are uh, when you compare us with other industries. But, I mean, COVID-19 has certainly accelerated the construction industry's uptake in technologies and it's opened the minds of many. So I think that's a very, very relevant point. And the second one is the entry for young professionals into the civilian profession. I mean, I'm part of the RICS matrix, so I'm I'm actively helping combat this area because it's something I feel very strongly about. It's about attracting uh, young professionals into the industry, whether that's going into schools, going into universities and talking to people that are on the degrees who aren't, Quite sure, um, I'm trying to actively do as much as I can, along with the other committee members, to sort of tackle this issue that we've got in the north of England, and, and no doubt throughout the rest of the UK. And the last one is to do with um, gender equality in, in construction. Um, there are a lot, of, a lot of initiatives out there, and some great work has been done. But statistics show that there's so much more still to be done. And I mean, male or female, if we do the same job, we should get paid the same. And I think it's quite evident from studies that have taken place that that still doesn't seem to be the case.
0: Yeah, I think that there is definitely a lack of flexible working here in the UK within the property profession. <music> Daryl, what you said was really interesting about the profession being undervalued and diversity issues. How do you feel we can challenge the stereotypes of the surveying profession and, and encourage more people to join us?
1: Right. I, I think this is a difficult question to tackle. But but I guess at, at, at my own pace, what, what I'm trying to do is also, in my current scope, to really help to move beyond the traditional uh, occupation or what the built environment has to offer. So, you know, we have been used to the old ways of doing things. And right now, with so many changes, uh, The occupation itself is also moving beyond the job scope that we have. And one key thing like Eliza is doing is really looking at data, you know, how can we embrace such technological changes to to show to the younger people that, you know, uh, we are also keeping up with times and the industry itself is actually not that backwards and the environment itself there's so much changes that you can bring to the built environment itself precisely because that we are so backwards or many of the improvement opportunities are here so so one key thing is to really showcase what can we do with our existing processes and technologies and how can we do better on that front and the other end is also i've been reaching out to in my local context and in the Singapore context with the authority to really reach out in various programs to people, to the younger segment of our population, to share them more about this built environment and also to educate them on the changes that they can make and not just what they have been, the stereotype they have been listening on, on the construction industry itself. So, So I think that's one good step in it whereby we want to really let people recognise that the industry is moving forward. And in order to move forward, there's so many opportunities for us to do it. And we should kind of excite them to join us here.
0: Yeah, and it is exciting, isn't it? And I really like the fact that, again, you've helped me to introduce my question for Eliza by talking about data there, but really, Eliza, and I suppose this is because I have an interest in housing. What do you think is affecting um, the supply side for housing in Australia? I'm just really interested in that.
3: Absolutely, more recent pressures, I suppose, have focused on skill shortages, the supply chain issues, which have led to increases in in construction costs. But I think we do need to review. In Australia, in particular, where we have a relatively low stock of social housing for those that haven't come through that kind of housing market journey of of renting and saving their deposit and, and cracking the market to shore themselves up financially, we need to, I suppose, supplement that and make sure that we have adequate, affordable housing. For the case of Australia, the the idea of promoting more affordable housing has largely been delivered through turning to the private market and and, uh, encouraging property investment and and rental property and things like that. So in Australia, I think we need to have some clearer social and affordable housing targets. And the other thing is that recognising that um, at the end of the day, you need to make the delivery of um, supply even in that private market viable for developers and, and builders as well. So that's where it comes back to reviewing maybe some of the planning settings, taxation settings and other things that can free that process up a bit.
0: You know, Eliza, it's like it's like looking in a mirror. Um, We have exactly the same issues here in the UK. And finally, Javad, I really liked your point about change management. And I was wondering if you had any ideas how we could help the profession accelerate change within it.
4: I think it comes back to just being open-minded about everything that comes across the the table or is advertised in the industry. I mean, look, BIM, for example, and how long that's taken to implement, and now it's still at a point where there's a lot of consultancies or contractors that are reluctant to use it, although its benefits are reported widespread across the industry, and it's actively benefited a lot of projects that have been through that life cycle of design and construction, and the the teams on the ground have really... um, sort of sung its praises in terms of how it's helped deliver the project yet there are still still people out there reluctant to embrace it so I think it comes back to yeah just being open-minded in your approach and not having that sort of one shoe fits all mentality of this is how we've always done it and this is how we're going to continue to do it um, there's always a more efficient way to do things and it's just having the humility if you like to just go out there and look for it
0: Yeah, absolutely right. I really like that. And of course, what you're doing today is part of that. You know, we need more young surveyors with these open-minded attitudes and, you know, abilities with tech and everything. We are an ageing profession. There's no getting away from that demographic. And of course, here you are showing the best of the profession and that will really inspire the next generation and that will bring about change. So thank you so much for that. I want to move on and, and explore your values a little bit more. You've all given me a hint of that. And it's so cool that that's a thread through everything. That's why you win us. It's because you're in touch with your values. But what change are you hoping to bring through your work? And once again, Michelle, can I come to you first? As I've
2: mentioned, um, I think it's a general universal problem as well, like high risk, high construction costs. Uh, aging and also shortage of labor, as well as uh, declining productivity, has long been the challenges in our construction industry for decades. And we are long under pressure to perform better, safer, and also more economical, just as uh, Daryl and also uh, Eliza has mentioned on the uh, affordable housing. Uh, it's the same problem here in Hong Kong as well. We we want to build it cheaper, faster for the uh, general public. And... Um, I guess we are all improving and enhancing in every aspect. For instance, uh, different means of construction method, uh, different approach of uh, contract administration, and how the building and also the facilities are being uh, operated digitally in a smarter way. And I believe these all improvements are bringing positive uh, impacts. So modular construction, which I'm expert on it, it's a fundamental leapfrog process in the industry, addressing the uh, local worker shortage problem, enabling upskilling, so that the workers can shift to like more knowledge, technology-based roles, and working alongside the uh, machines instead of doing a lot of manual handling, which also hinders the youngster to get into our industry uh, because of that. And we are also... Um, building faster and uh, smarter as well, just like Daros has mentioned. Like in my construction projects, uh, we are introducing uh, 3D printings, VR, AL, officializing the design in a immersive view, simulation, we have BIM from 2D to 5D, etc. And I just want to echo back on the topics on uh, younger generation. Uh, I guess sometimes we are being criticized as um, technically in experience enough. I'll say sometimes that's true in some sense because of experience comes in, in times. But I will also say youngster deserve um, encouragement and also support as well, especially they are very tech savvy and they're very good at digital applications. Um, the, the team that I led in previous project overall age range are actually below 35 so that uh, we have a lot of innovative ideas Sparkling and also uh, new gadgets adoptions are very welcome and promoted. Um, I guess I will continue uh, on, on this, bringing up uh, bringing up change on, on this uh, aspect on, uh, I mean, uh, enhancing, improving uh, our construction method in different ways and also
0: adopting uh, new technologies to the industry. I love the thought of a sparkling team. <laughs> I think everybody should have a sparkling team. Daryl, what change are you hoping to bring about through your work?
1: One thing I I wish to do is to, you know, I think we speak about a bit, quite a bit on the perception of the built environment. I think it can definitely be demanding, but it definitely shouldn't be viewed as backwards. And I think it's like what Michelle has alluded to, right? The the younger generation has to play a part too. And I think the, the way that we can do that is to really keep an open mind and to challenge the norm, in ways that we are doing things. Just because we are doing things uh, in a certain way for many years doesn't mean we have to continue doing that moving forward, right? So I think that's one of the key pointers whereby in areas that we do not have the traditional experience, what can we really use to value it to actually improve on this process? Uh, working together with the leaders and giants that are already in this industry, how can we actually tap on their experiences and supplement it with our... Uh, knowledge of these different technologies to to really change things and to shake things up a bit. And the other thing I think also is also we should also never forget the current people who are already in the industry. So I think one key thing that I'm doing in my work is to really help them to reimagine and embrace these new ways of working to really showcase to them the values on on how these new changes are, are actually making life easier for them to deliver their work and also creating more value for, for the clients also. So I feel that it's, it's only when, whereby we, we looked at attracting more talents, uh, showcasing ways and challenging the norms and also equipping our current workforce with the right skill sets. Can we build the right foundations to really get get things up to speed and unlock our potential to really drive more value to this industry. So with this in place, I hope that we can really accelerate the rate at which the industry embrace changes and to really progressively change the perception of the industry being back one step at a time.
0: It sounds to me, Daryl, as if you will be bringing that change through your work. And there's a consistent focus in everything you say on continuous innovation, which is really very impressive. You really are, all of you, making a difference, and I think you will be making changes. I'll be keeping an eye on you lot. So let's move on and let's think positive. We've established through your various different sectors that everything we do is fundamental to the world as a whole, to what people do. The built environment underpins everything. So where do you think our industry making the most positive impact? And following my tried and tested pattern, I'm going to come to Michelle First, what do you think, Michelle? Positive impacts. Um, I
2: mean, uh, in in just short, I guess uh, all of us agree that uh, construction, buildings, housings are fundamentals elements in in the society uh, to all the general public. I guess just as I've mentioned, um, I think the construction industry, no matter in engineering, like like me, uh, what I'm doing here, or in uh, selling or, or, or financing or property management and also operation as well I guess it's no longer just a physical works anymore but more prone to a technology based industry now which we have a lot of uh, different methodologies different engineering methods we even introduce AI artificial intelligence and automations and innovations and technologies so I mean as a whole uh, we are kind of like migrating and unleashing more opportunities and heading towards um, a more industrialized industry instead of what we used to think of construction. That is what we always uh, mention here in Hong Kong, the three Ds, dirty, demeaning and dangerous. I guess it's no longer the story now. We are changing the uh, perception. We are changing the reality as well. So we are heading on a good direction from all of
0: us in different aspects. And again, um, you've given me another fantastic soundbite with the three Ds. I'm not going to forget that one. Thank you for that. Okay. <laughs> uh, can I just quickly ask you, actually, Michelle, which is your favourite form of modular construction? Oh,
2: favourite form? Definitely, it will be my project.
0: <laughs> of course.
2: <laughs> yeah, the inner cell, That is the first. I mean, uh, actually, in Singapore or in the UK or in Australia, I know actually modular construction has been going along for like, um, I, I think, five to ten years. But um, in Hong Kong, uh, due to many reasons, uh, like financial, political, or different issues, we just started it just a few years ago. So in InnoCell in the Science Park is definitely the uh, pilot project showcasing the success and also the failures to all of the parties, all of the stakeholders in, in the industry in Hong Kong. So definitely being the project manager of this project, definitely I'll say... It will be my project that i
0: love most yeah of course and it's good to love your work that's what we want to see okay so let's move to daryl now in singapore where do you see our uh, industry making the most positive impact
1: i think it would definitely be in the area of sustainability to me Uh, not just in singapore i guess the whole industry the real estate and the built environment industry kind of contributes to 40 percent of this Carbon emissions. So this also means that we have a huge responsibilities, and also the opportunities to be a big part of this solution. So and it's unlikely that we can achieve net zero without the involvement of the environment. And one good news that you know we have seen came out recently over COP twenty six is that we've seen a lot of commitments from leaders across both corporates and governments. Many organisations are actually committed to achieving net zero emissions by 2050. So at the top of the value change, we see investment funds are actually, you know, flowing towards decarbonization of the economy. Uh, at the land-on-occupier level, we also see uh, increased willingness uh, to actually pay for premium for green buildings or even brown discount for non-environmental friendly buildings. And overall time, you know, these efforts in scaling up the clean technologies and the various other renewable sources of energy will be more affordable with this increased adoption. And with this real incentive to really go green now, we can really definitely expect the sector to make more impact in this area of sustainability.
0: That is good to hear because everything we're doing at RICS seems to be moving in that direction. With sustainability, Darrell, what do you think is the biggest positive change that you can make in, a, in any building?
1: I think at this stage, uh, most of our building stocks are actually, the older buildings are actually not designed uh, in the most optimum way, in an in environmental green way. So I guess the key thing that we can make at this stage or a critical area of impact is how we actually retrofit some of these buildings to make it greener and so that we can sustain them or uh, throughout the the life cycle of the building itself, right? Because the building, uh, as we all know, the building serves its purpose and it can be there for a long period of time. And we have a large stock of buildings that are not exactly built in the most environmentally friendly form. So how can we encourage people uh, to actually you know retrofit some of these buildings and of course when we looked at new buildings, how how do we incorporate the 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 latest best practices and the technologies to actually help us maintain this carbon zero or neutrality that that we hope to see in the environment. Yeah,
0: I I agree. I I think retrofit is the big issue with sustainability and the built environment. So let's move to Australia now, and hopefully we'll hear a bit more about housing and data from Eliza. Where do you see our industry making the most positive impact?
3: I actually really agree with Daryl. I think the sustainability space and in particular, the impacts of climate change really being able to illuminate that through data helping people to understand that if you're going to spend more than a million dollars on a house in the periphery of a metropolitan area it's inland it's hot and in 50 years time it might not be a very pleasant place for you to live I think that construction and the development of innovative materials have made a lot of innovations and a lot of progress. I think it's time for us in data and analytics to really start putting a dollar value to the impacts of climate change and helping people to understand that this isn't just about preserving the environment and reducing the incidence of extreme weather, that this affects your bottom line as well. What data do you think illustrates sustainability best? Well, we're doing a lot of work at the moment at CoreLogic around just spatial data, looking at the potential for rising sea levels and coastal erosion to uh, have an effect on, you know, some of the most high-end housing markets in Australia. I think monitoring temperatures, we have lots of different points for measuring temperatures at quite a granular geographic level and comparing that to housing market performance and population and you know, do do people on lower incomes end up in hotter areas? Like, these are some of the, um, I guess, social and environmental topics that we need to better educate people about.
0: Gosh, you can get really deep with that stuff, can't you? And uh, I think that's about everything. Michelle, would you like to add anything before we wrap up?
2: I can see we're all doing good in different parts of the world. And what we do, in different aspects, uh, no matter in the administration-wise and in the, the technology-wise or in the construction-wise, are uh, all enhancing and bringing up new impacts to our industry. Previously, might be a little bit traditional. Now, we are like evolving it uh, step by step. And uh, I believe these advancements will gradually assist us in our time, cost, and quality. And it will be seen gradually and also solving the demand problem and also all the uh, aging problems or the, the financial
0: problems we are facing in the industry. It's so good to see the commonalities yep. all over the globe in this, isn't it? Yeah. Darrell, what about you? Any final comments?
1: I really love hearing what everyone here is doing. It's so exciting, right? Because we are all in various parts of the built environment. We're very professional, but we are all doing our parts in different ways. And we can see that we are all, you know, uh, trying to to progress the industry, but it doesn't have to be a single way that we can do it, right? As long as we are uh, doing the best of what we can offer and, and how we think we can actually contribute to the industry, I, I think that's good enough and, and definitely... A lot for me to to look forward to understand what others are doing as well you know to incorporate all these good practices and and to actually implement them in my work as well
0: Eliza would you like to sum up
3: I'd just love to say thanks so much for having me I feel really rejuvenated for <laughs> talking to all these amazing professionals getting more of an international lens as well. This is my first global um, interview that I've participated in, which has been a really cool experience. And it's even just being in this conversation is, has given me some inspiration for the year ahead. So thank you all.
0: Oh, me too. Me too. It's been really fun. Finally, Javad, can you sum up?
4: Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing for me is just, I know it goes back to our industry and where we're making the most positive impacts. I think we just need to give a quick shout out to all the industry professionals that are working towards tackling these global issues like many in the, on this call are and and also those that are harnessing and implementing or with the help of other professionals renewable energy. It's to the industry professionals who are connecting communities via much needed transportation links. It's the industry professionals that are working on hospitals, working on schools, whether it be housing or workplaces, the industry professionals pushing towards reaching uh, Net Zero 2050 that we've got in the UK here as an initiative. Um, But I think the most positive or most important impact is uh, the collaboration we've seen and we continue to see in this industry and where highly capable professionals are coming together, solving big, big problems and doing the best to make their clients' vision a reality.
0: A suitably inspirational final comment. So a huge thank you to all four guests, Michelle. Daryl, Eliza and Javad for joining us across time zones and sharing their inspirational journeys. You really are all worthy winners. I hope our conversation has shone a brighter light on the surveying profession wherever you are. They're all outstanding surveyors and excellent role models without a doubt. And, you know, as I've discovered, also really nice people. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Building the Future, a podcast from RICS Modus. For show notes... Or for more information on RICS, subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.